Hello, and welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. And a couple episodes ago, while we were in the middle of doing this whole Wilderness uh, Years saga, I made a promise, I think this was the seventh episode, that John Wilson would be back. Well, I finally kept keeping my promise. John Wilson is back. It's a lie. I'm a Doombot. Damn it! But it's okay. You're not supposed to say that. Doombots are indistinguishable from the original, or so they keep telling me. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if you're Hawkeye, they are. He falls for them all the time. I really want to do, like, Marvin the Depressed Android from from the uh, Hitchhiker Hitchhikers. books. Yeah, I'm just a Doombot. I wanted to be a life model decoy, but they said I didn't have the personality for it. <laughs> so here we are to talk about... Con- no, sorry. <laughs> So yeah, John's back again. Another round of this. This time we are talking about Hercules, the Prince of Power miniseries from 1984, number three. Not to be confused with Hercules, number three from 1982. Yes. Because there were two Hercules miniseries in relatively short succession. Yes, because they wanted to make it confusing for people years later. As you have two podcasters texting each other going, which one is it? I'm not sure. Hold on. Wait. No, no, wait, no, wrong one. Maybe it's 83? Because just so anyone knows that they haven't read them, issue three of the 82 miniseries involves Hercules fighting people who are worshipping like a death god. Mm-hmm. And so you're skimming through going, oh, well, this must be Thanos, right? Right? <laughs> no. No, it's not. It's not. Well, this is also back in the day where... Um, you only had to worry about volume numbers if you had multiple miniseries or a title that was a miniseries and then an ongoing series. There just weren't, they they just didn't restart comic numbers unless they really, really had a reason to. Nowadays, volume numbers are almost less helpful and it's just easier to say, what year are you talking about? Yeah. Or give it some other title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the first the first thing that comes to my mind is Legion of Superheroes. Well, which version of Legion are we talking about? The one that used to be Superboy or the Baxter series or five years later? Mm-hmm. You know, or the uh, three boot? No, I just mean the Legionnaires 3 mini. Oh, Legionnaires 3. Yes, okay. Coming up soon in my reading. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, yeah, they do some stuff with the Time Trapper in that one. That's fun. Because, you know, I, I, I make this flex whenever I have the opportunity to. I have read every Superman-related comic book from 1938 until 1984, and um, I'm working my way through them all. And yep. the whole Legion series of series, to me, is part of that project. Oh, I agree. It's a Superman title, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. It's easier and to justify in the pre-crisis era. It gets harder to justify after crisis, but by then... By now, I'm like fully invested in the characters and the continuity, and yeah. I really want to know. I want to experience all of the reboots and the continuity shenanigans that Legion goes through. Oh, there are shenanigans. There are mm. many, many shenanigans. At least seven shenanigans, from what I've heard. They have a whole. There's there's a whole franchise of them. Mm. The shenanigan of superheroes. Exactly. Ooh, that's good. Good word. But that's not going to get us these negabands. No, but I was going to say, speaking of Superman, we're talking about the deadly legacy of Captain Marvel. Ta-da! And if anyone listened to our episode about the death of Captain Marvel, you know why I use that as a segue. 
Oh. And if you didn't, go back and listen. Whenever I get to read the death of Captain Marvel, I will listen to your death of Captain Marvel coverage. Yes. That is one of two stories that I intentionally am not reading until I've read everything before it. So like, I don't want to read the death of Captain Marvel until I've read all the other Captain Marvel. And I don't want to read whatever happened to the man of tomorrow until I've read all of the pre-crisis Superman. I can understand that. Yeah. But yeah, this one actually has Thanos on the cover. Yay. It's, it's a good looking Thanos too. Bob Layton does a good Thanos. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does look very Starlin-esque actually. It doesn't look too far off from what I'm, I've been used to seeing so far. Yeah, it's very on model. Um, Hercules and the mysterious bad guy on the cover are drawn, you know, by their own artist. But you can tell when he's drawing Thanos, he's trying to evoke 1977. Yes, and I think he is. I think he succeeds. Mm -hmm. So let's tell everybody what happens here, and then we'll get on with it. Hercules number three, Deadly Legacy. Written and drawn by Bob Layton. Colors, Christy Scheele. Letters by Rick Parker, cover art Bob Layton, and editor Bob Budiansky. Cover dated May 1984, on sale date February 14th, 1984, with a cover price of 60 cents. You can find this reprinted in Un Recit Complete Marvel No. 9, a 1986 French reprint, Hercules Prince of Power trade paperback from 1997, and the Hercules Prince of Power hardcover from 2009. And as always, please accept my begging of forgiveness for mispronouncing any of the names of the foreign reprints. But I have no idea how to do that. So if you do, please write in and tell me how the hell to pronounce these things. Okay, this story takes place in the future of Earth 829. Captain Shrek and his crew of alien pirates are attempting to steal the Negabands from Marvel's grave. Due to the booby traps, the rest of the crew is killed. But as one of Thanos' last followers, Shrek is determined to succeed in order to destroy Titan. Meanwhile, Hercules, the Recorder, and Skippy the Skrull are on Hercules' chariot flying through space, which makes Skippy uncomfortable, on their way to Olympus, when they are stopped by the mental projection from Mentor, leader of Titan, who requests their presence. Turns out that Apollo is there. He has been aged and near death. He is just able to warn Hercules to beware the High Father before he passes. Mentor offers to use Isaac, the computer who runs Titan, to scan Olympus for Hercules. But in order to do that, Isaac has to shut down all non-essential functions, which includes the booby traps around Marvel's tomb, giving Shrek the chance to reach his sarcophagus and gain the negabands. Isaac's scan found nothing but destruction and death in Olympus, but before Hercules and company could leave, they are all attacked by Shrek. He is able to hold off Hercules, Star Fox, Skippy, and Mentor for a while until the Recorder and Isaac come up with a plan to overload the Negabands. Hercules knocks Shrek into the solar generator, and the Negabands, which are charged by Starlight, overload, and Shrek dies. Alright, so it's time for us to get into Deadly Legacy. I like these thugs, they're fun. They're stupid, but they're fun. In the beginning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fun little intro, and you meet your bad guy, who seems to just, I don't know... Kind of be out of nowhere, but a lot of what happens in the Hercules miniseries is just kind of out of nowhere. He's just sending you on adventures that don't really have a purpose other than to entertain for this issue. But yeah, yeah. they're there. It's all, they're, the Hercules miniseries are basically done in one with some kind of kind of a thread going through them, minorly. 
And as might have been said in the synopsis, this is, you know, in the future, which for Marvel continuity means one possible future, i.e. an alternate Earth. And when you read the previous Hercules miniseries, you don't quite realize it's supposed to be in the future or on an alternate Earth. Um, But these two do have the same continuity. So, yeah. And this one definitely sets it up. And they I think in some point in this issue, they actually kind of imply it's been like 400 years. Mm -hmm. So this is somewhere around. 2380. Oh, that's right, because they say it's been 400 years since uh, Marvel died. Right, right. So this is somewhere between, somewhere around the, uh, like, 2380, 2390, somewhere around that. Somewhere around Star Trek time. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, not much Marvel stuff happens during this period. It's usually, they usually jump way ahead. I'm just looking up. Yeah, Hercules in the 24th century is the description given on the Chronology Project page. So this is Earth 829. Probably 829 because the first miniseries came out in September of 1982. Oh, that makes sense. That's right. When they do the Earth things, it seems they do like the British version. A lot of times they'll do the year and then the and then the month. Yep. Yeah. Which is why we got 616 ish I, i'm not entirely sure because i don't think fantastic four came out that early in 1961 oh you're right that'd be june june it's cover date in november which means like august september but i can also see alan moore sitting there without the internet in yeah. 1980 or 81 or 79 or whatever it was he did that you know um actually it wasn't alan moore at the beginning it was no it was alan moore who did no, it. That, that's an alan moore thing i'm pretty sure yeah alan it's davis started the comic but alan moore did the writing for that story also um yeah so he may just not have known when in 61 it came out so he just did 616 hey it's a palindrome it yeah. rolls off the tongue and by the way for anyone who does not know that yes the whole mar earth 616 thing comes from the alan moore written captain britain stories from the early 80s the ones that were black and white in the uk uh being published in uk anthology comics like daredevils and marvel superheroes um, before he got his own feature-length title. Yeah. So if you didn't know that, now you do. I really like Skippy the Skrull. Oh, Skippy's fun. I love Skippy. Like, Skippy still can't get through this whole, we're riding on a magic chariot through mm-hmm. space. Through space. Like, yeah. How the hell does this work? And Hercules is like, it does. Don't worry. It's fine. And they're going to they're gonna land, and he doesn't want to look like a Skrull. So he just changes into a foxy woman. Because why not? He's a scroll. Gender does not nearly have nearly the same restrictive meanings it has on our culture because he can shape change. But Eros takes a big liking to her and they walk off together. And I guess they like, you know, flirt and talk about having a date later because at the end of the story, Skippy's like, how about that date? And yeah. Eros gets all like, um, not necessarily homophobic, but probably intended to be a little homophobic. But I'm just going to go with the idea that I thought you looked like something else, and now you look like this, and I'm not happy with how this went kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's a bit um, disingenuous, because it's like, I did not know this was you. I thought right. this was you. Right. So, But at the same time, he took her off to be his uh, compatriot or companion without really her consent. Cause she's like, but I, I, I don't. True. So nope, maybe Skippy just that. getting him back a little bit. Yeah. But I do. And I do like that little bit of mentor and Hercules, by the way, aren't you going to tell Eros that that's a scroll? Oh, well, why don't you tell him? 
No, no, no. He's going to be annoyed. You can tell him. No, it's okay. <laughs> we don't need to tell him. And the recorder's there. Statement. No way. I like the recorder. The Rigelian recorder. He uh, he was also in the other miniseries. His, um, his existence dates back to the first Rigelian stories in Thor. He accompanies Thor on a on a mission yes. to the Black Galaxy. Yeah. And did they, uh, did they ever specifically say that is the same one or just a recorder? I mean, I like to think it's always the same the same recorder gets stuck with all these superheroes. I don't. I mean, I haven't read the other issues of this, so I don't know if it's explicitly the same one. But I feel like whenever the recorder shows up, he always have the same kind of personality. It just feels like it should be the same one, but. If somebody can show, demonstrate that there's reason to think it's not, I'll buy that. So, by the way, I'm looking at the page. No, I'm looking at this page that we were just talking about, the one where they we find out Mentor knows it's a scroll. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm finding it very amusing that which one of these characters has been on in Marvel on TV or movies first, and it's a recorder because we had a version of the recorders on uh, like season five, I think, of Agents of Shield. Did we? Yes. Was season five the one that had the time thing? There were recorders in that. The okay, so it, it, it's the one where like half the t- most of the teams in the future, but right. um, what's his name? Fitz is still in the past. Uh huh. Whoever that guy is that's helping <gasps> the tall ball guy, he's oh basically. Oh my gosh! If you pay right. attention, he's a recorder. He is, and he even looks great for the part too. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. So and um, I like I like that because I like I'm like oh that's cool because I like when they bring those little characters in and try and make it as close as what they can to it you know. So for the record, there are some distinct characters uh, that are different recorders and they're numbered. So the original recorder in Thor was recorder two eleven, and he's the recorder who shows up in Warlock and the Incredible Hulk wrap up to that story and all okay. of Thor's recorder stories. He eventually goes by Analyzer. And then um, by other names, I think, including Memorax, um, Deus Ex Machina, the end of his story is what he's called, is what, according to this list. But um, this recorder is a dis- different recorder from that one. This is recorder 417. He's Hercules recorder. That's Thor's recorder. They can't have the same recorder. No, and it's centuries apart. That recorder is probably broken down, right? People die. Well, I was also going to say it's Hercules and they're Hercules. He's like, I can't have the same recorder as Thor. I got my, have my own recorder. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, so, Cat, uh, Warlock shows up in the um, requisite flashback scene, um, but that's towards the end of the comic. I didn't mean to skip ahead. I was just going to mention him. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, because yeah, while they're hanging out and they're trying to do little probing for Hercules to find out, at, you know, what's going on Olympus, they shut down all the non-essential stuff, and works out well for that guy because uh, Shrek, <laughs> not to be confused with Mike Myers, mm-hmm. because all of the traps that are you know keeping people from getting to Marvel's tomb are shut off. Right. And he's like, Ooh, this is easy. How the hell, how all these idiots get killed because they buried Marvel with those nega bands. And those are apparently are u- uber powerful. Evidently Marvel's body has not decomposed in the centuries since then. I don't know if oh, it's you can about see the that bit of his arm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's still fleshed out. I don't know if it's just like the cushy padding of his costume. Cause it's a movie made costume. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely still See, there. I wanted to say it's because it's on the outside and there's no atmosphere, so therefore there's nothing to decompose him. But either this guy's wearing some kind of invisible space suit or he can breathe in space. Right. Even in space, I feel like the organic tissue would slowly decay. 
but it might not decay in the same way because you don't have any oxygen to oxidize and there's no creepy crawlies, you know. Yeah. And we also don't know what Titanian uh, burial practices are. This is true. Or how Cree physiology reacts over time. Yeah. So, I mean, the Titans might be able to make it do something where, like, it does not even look like anything's happened for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened to me. So it's definitely possible. You know what? I mean, they're smart. So maybe they're like, hey, you know what? People are coming back to life all the time. Let's just make sure his body's ready just in case. Because <laughs> if he's coming back, we don't want him coming back all desiccated with his guts hanging out. Let's, let's make it, like he's, you know, he's fine. He can just get up and hang out. Ever since Jean Grey opened that door, we got to make sure we're ready. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no cremation. No cremation. Mm-hmm. That's going to suck. I don't even know if Jean Grey is back at this point, but that's okay. I'm this not going to go looking. No. <laughs> No, she's not. Okay, so there is no Back from the Dead yet. Not until 86. Or episode 13. Mm. Which you will be on. But yeah, so Shrek gets those nigga bands and he starts wreaking havoc. Because he is a worshiper of Thanos. And apparently the one of the last ones, well, at least one of the last ones he knows of. Yeah, he does pray to the death god Thanos as he's getting the nigga bands out, so... And he's all, I like his sparkly trails. He's all Captain Marveling around. He's just evil. And Skippy's running around in a, in a Mario cosplay. Yeah, that's what Skippy wears pretty much the whole time. Is those I love old, it. Yeah, the Oshkosh Kabagosh look. Before Mario now, was even really a thing. Yeah. Now, I do want to say one thing. I'm not sure. I, th- I thought he said something that kind of implied he was there with Thanos. But I kind of would think that he was not with Thanos. Or if he was, he was like the lowest of the low. Because... It seems like Thanos would have killed this guy very quickly. Why is that? This guy just seems like he would be annoying to Thanos. He's like, shut up, you little bitch. Mm. Bam! Dead. Yep. Kind of like uh, Magneto and Toad. Yeah. Yeah, except Thanos would have just killed Toad. Right. No one knows why Magneto hasn't killed Toad. It's one of those mysteries of comics history that people study. Professor X is like, I would have killed him. Are you kidding? Right. Well, you see, Charles, you're right. I should have killed him. <laughs> he was an annoying little, wasn't he? So yeah. toadying. Oh, wait, I just got the name. <laughs> but so we have the little flashback of Thanos and uh, we get Adam Warlock and uh, Captain Marvel and then Captain Marvel's death. Then we get the part. I like this, how. Recorder and uh, Isaac figure out how to beat him, but of course, there's no time to explain it because we'll tell people on the last page. <laughs> <laughs> but it works, and it, it fits for Hercules at least because Hercules is like, "All right, whatever." Smart guy tells me to do, do the thing; I'm going to do it. Right. He uses his resources. Yeah, because he's Hercules. He's like he knows where his, especially at this point, he knows where his strength lies. <laughs> it's and in it's in gift. strength. It's in the gift. Right. I did like that whole conceit of storytelling that like the gift of battle, it's it's a it's a it's a um, privilege to fight one such as Hercules. It is a gift I give you. That's yes. fun. That's very Hercules. Yeah. But yeah, so they overload the guy because apparently the mega bands are made for Kree. And since he is not Kree, if there's too much power in it, he will overload him. He'll die. And he yeah. does. And then we end with everyone happy, except Eros is like, where did that scroll come from? No, seriously, why is there a scroll here all of a sudden? Seriously, would someone tell me? 
I I just thought, what if what if dude clacked the negabands and suddenly he's in limbo, and Rick Jones's corpse is in space on just the station with down. Hercules. Yeah, that's where Rick was. <laughs> that would have been but, funny. And of course, this ends with them finding out on Olympus that no one is left alive but Zeus. Everyone else is dead. Yeah, and beware the High Father is like a re, re, like a, a repeated chant throughout this. So something is up with Zeus. Something's up with Zeus. Something's up with Zeus. And we don't know what it is, but I know that when my father was high, beware the High Father was also put into effect. No, just kidding. So that was the Hercules one again. Yeah, at least it's something to do with. You know, this is a bit more to do. I mean, man, be the Thor one. Oh no, we're not talking about the Thor one. Wrong episode. Yeah. <laughs> we start that again. So again, like all, <clears throat> so again, like all these tangentially related to Adam and Thanos. I mean, you know, at least this has some, you know, a bit more of a connection. It's you know the uh, weapons of Captain Marvel and a worshiper of Thanos. So I do like the fact that they're still having, even the characters aren't there. They're have the people are still doing stuff with their influence. Right. Yeah, having a legacy of the character relatively shortly after he died was probably a neat little homage and, you know, just paying respects to a character who has gotten a whole lot more love and respect after he died oh, yeah. than he did when he was actually being published. Yes. Because just, 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 just a little side note, tangent here. Because you have all of the whole, like, the current Captain Marvel isn't the, quote, real Captain Marvel. No one read the real Captain Marvel. That's why they killed him. That's why they also changed his uh, story, like, 12 times during the Right. Yes. Kept revamping him, giving him costume, giving new powers. No one read it. So it's like 20 years later, 50 years later. Yeah. That's the only people read. And then after he left... Englehart kept it going for a little while, but then I think it just kind of dwindled after that. That's one of the reasons why I haven't read all the series yet, because it kind of got boring. Yeah. No, no argument here. I've read I've read all those, and yeah, it's weird and boring at times. Sometimes both. But like I said, go back, listen to episode uh seven A and seven B. We got we talk all about that whole thing with Marvel. Mm-hmm. Okay, so John is going to be leaving now from this episode but he will be back again in a couple don't worry and he'll be back to talk about Jean Grey oh yes we just mentioned her earlier I know this worked out well I teased my own future and didn't even realize it I am that good all right John you probably should tell people where to find you before you oh unless I'm hiding from them but no um tell them to go away go away okay (laughs) tell the rest So I do a show that is called Superman in Crisis. And if you like Superman, if you like 1980s Superman, if you like Crisis on Infinite Earths, then you should check this out because it's about every issue of Crisis on Infinite Earths and every adventure of Superman that was published alongside them. And then after Crisis wraps up, I'm going to continue on to the end of the pre-Crisis of Superman with Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. I can also be found on Twitter at John Reads Comics with no H in John. And my podcasts are all located at my website, johnreadscomics.com. In all his decades of publishing history, one event has affected Superman more than any other. Worlds lived 
Worlds died, and that was only the beginning. Superman was never the same. Presenting Superman in Crisis. Available weekly from January 3rd, 2022 at johnreadscomics.com. Okay, now that we got rid of John, we're going to be covering two issues of Avengers, and rejoining us again is Ren. How you doing, Ren? I am doing all right. How are you? I'm fine. Things are good. And since this is being recorded ahead of time, hopefully things are still good. <laughs> Let's hope so. Yes. <laughs> Please no one yell at me if things have changed. That's not my fault. <laughs> and now that we finished it, Actually, this is kind of works out well for this episode because we, me and John just talked about some, an issue of Hercules. And now we're going to still have more Hercules to come as we talk about Avengers 247 and then 252. So let's go to the first one, 247, Into the Unimind. Avengers number 247, The Ties That Bind. Writer, Roger Stern. Pencils, Al Milgram. Inks, Joe Sinnott. Colors, Christy Scheel. Letters, Jim Novak. Cover art by Al Milgram and Joe Sinnott. Editors, Mark Grunewald with Howard Mackey. Cover dated September 1984. On sale date June 5th, 1984, with a cover price of 60 cents. You can find this reprinted in Dairasher, number 15, a 1986 German reprint. Los Vengadores, number 52, a 1987 Spanish reprint. Strange, number 213, a 1987 French reprint. Avengers Absolute Vision Volume 2 from 2014, The Internals, The Complete Saga Omnibus from, 2000, from 2020, and Eternals, The Dreaming Celestial Saga from 2021. When the Eternals revealed to their guests their origins as a separate species of humanity created millennia ago by the genetic intervention of the space-born Celestials, Star Fox realizes that their former rulers, Zorus, and his father, Mentor, born Alars, are brothers, and that he and his fellow Titans are also Eternals. The Avengers locate their missing members, and Captain Marvel joins the Wasp and Star Fox in Olympia, where Eros is invited to join in an ancient ritual. To decide the destiny of their race, the gathered Eternals become one, fusing into the Unimind, a collective thinking organism. Then, as the Vision and the Scarlet Witch watch on a telemonitor, Captain Marvel and the Wasp are struck down by Maelstrom, who declares himself Master of Olympia. In Transia, Quicksilver rues the fact that Bova's current suffering is a direct result of her connection to his family. He tells the doctor who is tending to her about that, and the doctor determines that as soon as it's safe to do so, he and Lockjaw will transport Bova to Attilan. Quicksilver will then prepare to avenge Bova against his father Magneto, whom Quicksilver now sees as incapable of ever truly changing his evil ways. And our cover here features Star Fox being dragged up by the Eternal Cersei and Makari into the giant Eternal Unimind, which if you've never seen that, well, basically think of a giant floating glowing brain. It's, a, it's like um, in, the, in the book uh, Childhood's End, it's like there's a concept called the Overmind, so I think, I think that's where it comes from. That would make sense. That sounds like something Kirby would have read and been influenced by at that point in the seventies when he made the Eternals. Yeah, I, I forgot. I'm gonna do a reread of the Eternals because I forgot stuff like you know, the Unimind is supposed to be like the power of like all the Eternals merged together. 
Like, I, I had forgotten that, but I do remember, like, it, it is nice to see, like, the Eternals again, like, all, all the, like, Akari and Cersei. Yeah, and I, I do like those two specifically, but that's mainly because I did read the, my main time of reading the Avengers was in the 90s when Cersei was a part of the team. And I did read a good chunk of Quasar when it was coming out when Makari was basically a sidekick. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot that. Yeah, yeah. He's on that. He's in that book for a long time. He's a ma- major supporting character. So those are two of the Eternals I like the most. Really good. Um, sort of an all-star team to this book. It's like uh, Roger Stern, and you know, longtime Marvel writer. Uh, Captain America, the Avengers, like very, um, you know, prolific superhero writer. Oh yeah. Superman. Yeah. And actually he has like a, apparently like he has a book out, uh, coming out soon with, uh, Ron friends and, uh, Thao Bushima. Oh really? Yeah. It's called like heroes union or heroes reborn. So something like that. Hmm. The cover actually looks pretty good. Um, I don't know how the book will be, but and then um, I might have to look for that. And then um, the cover and then the interiors are done by um Al Milgram, famous uh, Marvel artist. Um, who I know primarily from uh, some other Eternals work he did, and then really famous book he did. I'm trying to remember what it is. Well, he was the artist on Secret Wars too. Uh, I only read the first one. I think that's enough of that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I know he was also the editor on Marvel Fanfare for most of that run. Oh! Yeah, because he would kind of have like his own little like, I think it was the letter pages or like his own little column at the end where like he would have like a little caricature of himself. Oh, that sounds neat. And um, most notably uh, the very legendary Marvel inker, uh, Joe Sinot. Who makes everything he works on better. Yeah, he, everything he does looks, like, great. Like, you know, like, like for instance, like, this opening page of She-Hulk's face, like, the way he uses, like, the lines to emphasize all the features, the shadows. Yeah. It's a really good opening page. I like how they do, and it's slightly distorted because it's a reflection, the reflection of Vision and Scarlet Witch in this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very stylistic way of showing like it's supposed to be like their reflection on the screen. Yeah, and it's not just a straight up just picture of them in the bottom. It's actually the kind of little distorted and a little twisted to the side. It's pretty cool. So She-Hulk is transmitting to Avengers uh, Mansion that uh, the Wasp and Star Fox are missing. Yeah, there was a party the issue before that all of them were at. And apparently a bunch of people showed up, trashed the party, and kidnapped the hostess. And they went in some kind of spaceship. And they flew out after him. But she can't help because she's got to go help with the F- work with the FF right now. So, bye! <laughs> <laughs> I, I like this line. I'm sure Jan and Foxy will, will turn up soon. They're both tough. <laughs> like, that, 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 I don't know. <laughs> that, that never works. <laughs> yeah, that's Usually, you know, sign of bad news, but uh, this story at least doesn't go that bad. At least not yet. No, not really. But yeah, this I... is the era when the Visions the chair became the chairman of the Avengers because he had a secret plan. 
What, what was his plan? Well, since it's something that we're going to cover in these issues on the show, basically he kind of got damaged severely at some battle earlier on. And while he was being fixed, repaired, he Star Fox hooked him up with the computer Isaac from uh, Titan. And basically oh. Isaac kind of you know, was like, learned what Isaac does, which basically Isaac runs the entire planet and Vision's like, you know, if I did something like that, I could probably fix all the problems on Earth. Hmm. And basically he's looking for some, basically he's kind of tra- planning on taking over the world. Oh. <laughs> which he won't do, but he does come close. And it actually is the reason that years later in Avengers West Coast, he is going to be kidnapped by the government and dismantled and brought back as like the pale white vision that has no motion. Oh, from WandaVision. Yeah, yeah, they brought it. That's right. They brought that version of him in, in WandaVision. Uh, huh. I didn't realize that was from the comics. I, I thought that was just like a thing they did. Nope, that goes back to like Avengers West Coast, like 44 or something. Oh. Uh, during John Byrne's run. Oh, okay. And it took the vision a long time to go back to having emotions. And that was the first time that Wanda had a nervous breakdown, basically. So you can oh, also okay, say it's, yeah. the fir- it's the first step in the, in the road that eventually led to uh, House of M. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about that. Because going that whole thing led into the whole thing about the children not existing. And that did more psychological damage to her. So that was... You know, it just rolled in from one to the other. So that's why if you're reading this, if you're reading these two issues, you're going to see some weird stuff with the vision. Like people are thinking the vision's acting a little strange. You know, like yeah. he's being really cold and robotic one moment, and then almost like super happy and cheerful, like he's trying to be like a politician the next because he's trying to figure out the best way to do this plan. Yeah, I sort of read that as just him being ambivalent, but I guess like, yeah, he'd be sort of like trying to hide everything. Well, that'll explain some stuff in the next issue, the next one we cover, but we'll get to the next issue, but we'll get to that in a little bit. So they touch in on uh, Captain Marvel's home life, which she's actually broken the superhero code back then, and she told her family. Yeah, that, that, that was pretty interesting. Also interesting, like, they openly say, like, oh, it's uh, gumbo, and they talk about, like, the shrimp to okra ratio. Yeah. Which also confused me. They're supposed to be in New, if they're supposed to be in the vicinity of New Orleans or you know in Louisiana, but I don't see the word "share" every five seconds. So they can't be from that area. They don't speak <laughs> like Gambit, so I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> they're supposed to throw, throw, they're supposed to have random French words in there, aren't they? That's how I, I thought. That's how you knew they were from Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like they just kind of. They don't. They don't try to make it like a over over slang. Like try to put in a lot of slang. It's just mostly. It's just mostly like they just talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I almost forgot they were from there. I'm so used to things like that. I'm like, oh yeah, they're from that area too. That's kind of funny. I would love to see a Captain Marvel Gambit team up where she's like, "Where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you talk like that?" Yeah. 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 That. That would. Yeah, I'm just imagining that. I'm just like, she's just confused as to what that is. <laughs> Did somebody hit him on the head a lot? <laughs> <laughs> but she gets the alert. So she heads back to Avengers Mansion because she got the alert from Vision. 
And that's one fun thing about her powers. I love that the fact that like she shoots over there in like seconds because she can go at light speed. And then we yeah, go I kind of like like she's um, you know all gold in here, like the way that she's uh, colored here. Yeah, because she's supposed to be just turned into pure light at that point. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Her costume was like. I remember in like the first Secret Wars, her costume was like uh, white, and then the star in the middle is black. I think. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, and the leggings are black. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but obviously, depending what she changes into, the costume changes with her. So then we jump over to Star Fox and the Wasp, and we find them with all the Eternals. And we get, of course, the uh, since they mentioned they know Thor, you know they mentioned they know Thor, and a car is like, oh, you know Thor. Okay, then we do like you. Okay, never mind. <laughs> you know, so it's that whole thing of, oh, you know that guy. We know that guy. Okay, I guess we're friends now. I actually bought um, all those issues where Thor and the Eternals interact, like you know, like Thor is just visiting them. Oh yeah, when they yeah the. Well, it's not like around like Thor 290, 300, somewhere around there, I think. There's like a big Some, Eternal story. Yeah, somewhere in, that, somewhere in that vicinity, yeah. And he's like, you know, he's talking with them. Actually, the cover is him fighting uh, Kirkas. Cover the trade I have. Okay. I only read some of that stuff. I haven't read a lot of that. But yeah, that was. I think that was the first time they start. one of the first times they really started to integrate the Eternals into the Marvel Universe. Yeah, yeah. During like I remember like during the Kirby run of it, like he he really didn't want to integrate any sort of integrate the Marvel universe to it. Like the editors kept trying to get him to do it, and he didn't want to. Eventually, they just compromised. One issue had like a large uh, robotic Hulk come out and attack everything. Yes, and he did have Shield agents throughout the series too. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. There there were some Shield agents. But yeah, that Thor stuff is one of the first times they really... I mean, they did something with them in What If beforehand, which is going to get touched on here in a minute. Yeah, uh, the, the origin story. I remember that. Yeah, because they, re- they recently uh, released that as Eternal Secrets from the Marvel Universe, which does all those backup stories from What If. Oh, huh. I'll have to get that. But I've, been, I've been trying to collect like all the Eternal stuff between like you know the Kirby... And like uh, the the Neil Gaiman one from two thousand four. Okay, yeah, that yeah that yeah the one with uh, I think it was John Romita Jr. did the art. Yeah, John Romita Jr. did the art. So yeah, but yeah, those there were several backups that kind of integrate. What if that integrated the whole uh, origin that happens with the Celestials and the Eternals, and it integrates that into the uh, Marvel universe? And they did that one shot about a year or so ago, and we actually covered that on episode one eleven. Oh, I'll have to listen to that. And some of that origin stuff is going to get recapped here, which was nice because even though it's supposed to be untold tales of the Marvel universe, that still was in what if, you know, it had been several years before and also it was a what if book. So, I mean, you could, they always had the, it always kind of gave them the, the excuse to go, well, that was in what if it doesn't really count, you know, if they yeah. wanted to. Bringing them into in Thor definitely brought them to the Marvel Universe, and now recapping that origin here basically says yes, that is canon. Oh, because, that is, that's interesting. Yeah, because that's in that origin. That's where things changed for Thanos and the other members of Titan. Because before that, 
they were related to the Greek gods. You know, he was supposed to be, Mentor was supposed to be the brother of Zeus originally. Oh. So yeah. So technically, up until recently, you could have thought of Hercules as being related to Thanos and Star Fox. You know, they were demigods. I mean, that's why they called him, and they still do kind of call him because it's a good nickname, type, you know, called Thanos the Mad God. Because technically, he was. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's related. Oh, that, that's interesting. I... But they since retconned with, the, with those what-if issues, and now here, confirming that, they retcon that, that, well, no, his brother was not Zeus. His brother was Zorus from the uh, Eternals. The, the Zeus knockoff. Yeah. And they've also said at times, and like, I remember reading in the uh, Ohatmu years ago for like Eternals that like the when the, the, they kind of made a deal with the gods and they like would use their names and stuff. I guess as a way for the Eternals to interact with people, but still not kind of be out there. So like Athena would say she was Athena. Yeah, I think I think they even said some of them changed their names to go along with it. So I think like it's supposed to be like Athena's name was not always Athena. Because that's too much of a coincidence that, oh, hey, well, you know what? Your name is Athena. I'm Athena. Hey, that works. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So we, Although before we get to that origin, we have that nice scene with Cersei basically turning all the guys who kidnapped her and brought, you know, forcibly brought her to the Eternal Meeting, turning them all into armadillos. Yeah, that, that, that was hilarious. And I like how Karis is just like, look, if you turn them back, I'm sure they apologize. And she turns them back and they're just like, we apologize. We apologize. We're sorry. We're sorry. <laughs> Please, no yeah, more. That, 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 that was a very funny scene. I, I, I love Cersei. She, she's always great. Yeah, she is. I am very intrigued to see how they do her in the movie. Yeah, yeah. So, Sama Hayek is playing her, if I recall correctly. Yeah. And yeah, so I'm, that should be good because I like her. Yeah, I like I like Zomayak too. So that should be interesting to see her do that. I, that could be fun. Yes, I know we got that wrong. Selma Hayek played Ajax. Gemma Chan played Cersei. All right, we made a mistake. But yeah, so after that, we get that origin of the Eternals and the Celestials, and turn them into you know make them perfect. They long live a long time. Blah blah blah. They have that eternal civil war. You know, Cronus becomes we- the god. What? No, sorry. Just one thing that was interesting. Uh, they don't really show the deviants much in this one panel. That you're like, don't they don't show much. Just this is like, like this pale guy, this pale skull faced guy at the in like the far right. But otherwise, you don't really. And like this green guy in the middle. But otherwise, you don't see much, many deviants here. No, though they don't really waste spend much time on them. To be fair. It's because, as we're going to find out in a minute, the deviants are not. Uh, there's no chance that the deviants really playing much of a role in this story. That's fair. They're too busy in their new job, their new rewarding job of construction. <laughs> but yeah, they recap that origin, which was do- which was done in the uh, the Untold Tales of the Marvel Universe, and you find out how Mentor, you know, left Earth and. That's a nice way of doing it. Like, Mentor was so awesome. I wish we knew what happened to him. Well, I know what happened to him. Because <laughs> he's my daddy. So this <laughs> is when it was specific, you know, like, again, this is when it's confirmed in Marvel Universe that, yes, all those guys on Titan, including Thanos, they are Eternals. 
I was wondering about that. So this is like the first confirmation, official confirmation that Thanos is an Eternal. Yes, or at least half Eternal. I have to keep meaning to go back and double check because I think Sui-san was an Eternal as well, but I'm not 100% certain. Because if the mother's not an Eternal, obviously, then they can only be half Eternal. But then again, if you're half Eternal, what's, you know what I mean? It's like, what's half of Infinity? Infinity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then a mentor in his, like, traditional costume, like the the big hood on him. Yeah, although it is kind of funny how, like, they have to make him look older. But, you know, or, like, well, actually, he was always older when he was introduced. They made him look younger for that flashback story, but it's like, well, if you're eternal and you don't age, oh. why, would he, why does he get old? Yeah, it's weird. I don't know, maybe, maybe he, like, dyed his hair white at some point. Maybe it's just raising Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> Look what you're doing to me, kid. Gray hairs. I'm an eternal. Gray hairs. This should not be happening. So, yeah. You know? I'm sorry. No, go on. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, this Star Fox says, oh, yeah, yeah, but, you know, Alaris happens to be my father. I, I actually... I was actually named Eros. And I must say one thing going forward. First, when he comes back to using the characters, Jim, when Jim Strong comes back to using the characters of Thanos, he's pretty good because, I mean, not many times is a creator going to create a character, do a lot of stuff, you know, do a lot of stuff with it, and then have other people change things about it. And then when they come back to that character, usually they just go, yeah, that's not, that's not true. No, no, no. Starlin just goes on with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. Eternal, whatever. Team player. But now we get, and the next page now, this is something I, th- I thought is actually pretty relatable to now. So they still haven't heard, the Avengers still haven't heard back from Star Fox and the Wasp. So they're still concerned. And they're able to pinpoint because of the name Cersei. And they're like, you know, Thor, you know, Vision's like, I remember Thor reporting something about a Cersei involved with a group called the Eternals. So he looked up where the Thor said they were supposed to be. He's like, Captain Marvel, go check that out. See if that has anything to do with it. And basically we find out the Wasp and, and Star Fox are like, yeah, we forgot to text them when we got home. We're sorry. <laughs> I mean, how many times does that happen now? Text us when you get home. Are you home yet? <laughs> oh, crap. I'm sorry. I got home and I got distracted. <laughs> Although I am very amused by the advanced tech, quote unquote, advanced technology of the Eternals with that big screen. I mean, it's a flat screen. I'll give them that. But that camera they're using is like a traditional movie camera type thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's weird. It's not on like the screen itself, like, like, an, like an iPad or like a, a phone or something, like a cell phone or something. Yeah, I mean, you can see there's no back to that screen. It's not like it's a big tube sticking out. So they kind of, so they got the flat screen, per, you know, idea. But I, I like the chair too. It looks very, um, very uh, Metron. Yes, that's what Professor X in the '90s wished his chair was like. <laughs> oh, de- yeah, definitely. Professor X and the Chief from the Doom Patrol—they will both have chair envy. You're like, that chair is too much cooler. So, like, that's it. We're going to have him, you know, Star Fox can join us in the unit mine. And Star Fox is like, wait, what? What are we talking about? I just found <laughs> out I'm eternal. I have no idea what the hell you people are talking about here. 
<laughs> so we get to Quicksilver now. Yeah, we He's got a bit a, of a bit of a subplot here. What exactly? Like, I, this is probably like part of a bigger story, but I didn't entirely get the whole thing. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what's. I'm not sure what this led into. To be honest, I haven't read all the issues around this time, but apparently Magneto wanted to get some information from Bova. I'm assuming about either his wife or his children. Because if you don't know, or if anyone listening doesn't know, the backstory was when Magneto was still was married to his wife Magda, and then their daughter was basically killed, and he went berserk killing all the people who did it, and his wife ran away and left him, and she was pregnant. And she ends up on Mount Windegore, like nine months pregnant, and it's freezing cold because it's a mountain. And she's found by Bova, who basically helps. Beauty about the, the yeah. Garlowitz and Quicksilver being Magneto's children. Yeah, because at this time, that was it. So I'm assuming Magneto was looking for information on one or both of them. If I remember, actually, it was actually pretty interesting. At the time when this sto- that story was told, they kind of did it in X-Men. You kind of found out the Magneto, what Magneto knew. Like they had a bit of an or you know, he's talking about the origin about his daughter and his wife leaving him. And in Avengers, they did the part from Bova's point of view of like when she met Magda running from her husband and gives birth to the kids. So they don't overtly say these are Magneto's kids. But if you read both books, you're like, oh, hey, that's the same person. You get a nice little cameo from the Inhumans lockjaw. Oh, that's right. Because yeah, at this point, Crystal, he was still married to Crystal. Wait, he married Crystal. <laughs> oh yeah, Quicksilver was married to Crystal from like from the mid seventies to like early nineties. Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh yeah, I think it was like Fantastic Four one fifty. They get married. Yeah, your your references, uh, Atalan. Yep, because he was living there. Oh. Well, I mean, hey, marry a member of the royal family. Yeah, that's how, I mean, as we can see from the real world, when you're a member of the royal family, that's kind of how it works, unless unless you decide we're leaving the royal family. (laughs) If I recall correctly, Adeline was on Earth during the original, and now it's on the Blu-ray of the moon. Yes, yes. Originally was on, originally was in the Himalayas, I believe. Yeah. But at this, I think around the early mid '80s, they did move, change it to the blue area of the moon, where it stayed for the, at least until recently. Oh, okay. I think they're back on Earth now, because that goes into the whole, eight, you know, whatever they did with the Inhumans, and they had that big push for the Inhumans a couple years ago, and they had the Terrigen Mist going all over the world, which led into the origin of the the current Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan. Oh. Yeah, yeah, the, the the gas, yeah. Yeah. But, so, they're about to do the Unimind, and we find out, you know, I like this part where the Wasp and Captain Marvel are like, aren't you worried about these demons attacking you if you're going to be doing this delicate thing where you're all going to be unavailable? Like, you know, she doesn't know exactly what the Unimind is, but she's like, but if it's going to take all of you, well, what happens if they attack? And they're like, oh, no worries. Last time they attacked, we changed them all to one giant big stone. We're all standing on them right now. <laughs> 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 it's kind of funny it's kind of funny and it's kind of like I, I like the reaction to Wasp and Captain Marvel because it's one thing they're like oh 
we've dealt with other underground unknown civilizations you know there's the inhumans and the, you know they mentioned the lava men and stuff like that but it's like those are still on a perspective they can get they can go with some of them have yeah. power some don't but they still behave you know they still have a normal thing but the eternals are like yeah no the eternals don't you get it from the origin they've been these people have been alive since prehistory yeah I mean, they were alive for the millions of years that it took humanity to evolve to just be Cro-Magnon man, you know, and Neanderthal yeah, like, and all that. Like, like, these, like the origin shows the celestial, like experimenting on like uh, Australopithecus, like the ape man. Exactly. It's like this is a whole nother level, people. Yeah, you're dealing with a whole nother thing and a whole nother power level, and it's kind of like it's kind of fun. The way the two of them react, they're like, oh, oh, damn. Yeah, no, they're both like really shocked. Like, this is not what we thought it was. We thought you were just another race of people and just like, just like people like us, but you're a little different. Yeah. So that was cool. And then they go to do the Unimind. And of course, they form the giant brain because they're trying to figure out something. I don't think they even tell us what they're doing the Unimind for, just that they have to do it. I think I think it's like a tradition. If I remember correctly, it's like just they have to sort of fly in every now and again to form this large mind. It's a ritual. Well, I guess it's kind of like their way of maybe it's like way of doing like basic government. You know, everyone gets together and kind of works it all out real quick as a unimind. Or like once they're separated, they know what they're doing for the next two hundred years or whatever. Because like, all right, we know what we're doing now. We have a general plan. Yeah, that makes sense. I really like um, uh, Milgram's sort of Unimind panel here, like with, you know, the crackle, and then you have, um, you know, the Unimind in the center, and then all the, like, the eternal buildings is kind of, like, uh, sort of rounded around it. I, I, yeah. really, I really like this panel. No, that is cool looking. And I like the way the Unimind is drawn with the shadows and all that work. It almost looks like it, it's a head. It almost looks like a face. But there isn't a yeah. face. But it almost looks like there should be a face there. Yeah, that that, and that that was from the Kirby thing too. Like he he always depicted it as almost looking Cuban, like sort of in that uncanny valley kind of way. Yeah. But as if they're watching this, and Vision, of course, is you know very intrigued by all of this. All of a sudden, the the camera goes out, and then comes back on because Maelstrom has attacked, and he's like, "I like the idea of an audience." <laughs> Which makes sense, because, I mean, if you want a monologue, well, if, you know, the Unimind's not really paying attention, and, you know, you've knocked out Captain Marvel and the Wasp, so who are you going to monologue to? <laughs> I because he, he, like, just, like, he's very ambitious. Yeah. The Unimind and all the power of the Eternals are about to become mine. Spoiler, because we're not going to cover the next two issues. They're not. <laughs> just in case anyone was curious, but it seems like he's uh, like in over his head. Like he's just like he's just gonna be like vaporized by it as soon as like the... as, soon as it notices him. Yeah. Hey, what happened to the two? What's that ant doing? That's not the two ants we had here. Let's get rid of that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's not gonna go very well for him. But if anyone is intrigued by the idea by the Maelstrom character. Go read Quasar, I think it's like 18 to 25, or 19 to 25. It's called Cosmos and Collision. 
really. I wrote that. I have the collection. Yeah. Very he... good story. Like, like most notable to me, Ego apparently has like a son. Yep. Ego Prime. Yeah. Oh, oh. Um. Wait, are you talking about Ego or are you talking about Eon? Ego. Oh, then I don't remember that part. But it's been a long time since I read this. Son, Ego Prime. It's like a big muscular guy with a beard. Hmm. Oh, so basically, uh, oh my God. Why am I blanking on his name? Kurt Russell. Yeah, yeah. He looks, he looks like Kurt Russell in the movie. I don't remember Ego being that one, but like I said, it's been so long since I read it. I could be wrong, you know. So those things I forget. But I do remember that was a good story and definitely up Maelstrom as a, a good villain. Plus, if you remember what he does, the Quasar in that in that series. It's been, it's been a while since I've read it. I've been, I don't mean to go back through some of the comic runs I've read because it's like... Well, if you remember what he did to his hands. Oh, yeah, I think I do. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, right. so... Not much Thanos in this, but I mean, the reason for this one is because it really does affect, this is something that will affect Thanos going forward in a background way. You know, he's now an Eternal and will always be an Eternal, which still goes to even now, because in the current Eternal series, if anyone's reading that, he's actually showing up in there as an antagonist. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Which is kind of cool, because I mean, he really, while he's been an Eternal, he really has not been, been interacted with the Eternals much with the exception of, you know, Star Fox. So it's kind of cool that now they're actually bringing him in, you know, having him interact with the Eternals. Now, granted, that could also be because they're like, hey, Thanos is huge right now. We have an Eternals movie coming out, so let's have an Eternals book with Thanos in it. But still, I'm enjoying it. Uh, it Yeah, it's a very convenient bit of cross-promotion. Yeah. Doesn't mean it can't be good still. Yeah. And I'm enjoying it, so. But yeah, yeah, the thing I'm picking it up is it is it any good or? No, I, I'm having, I'm enjoying it so far. It's only I think four issues in, but it's pretty cool. Awesome. And they're not just using. I mean, yes, it is a lot of Akaris and Thena, but they're also using a couple of the other Eternals too, which is nice because right. a lot of times you only get like the few, you know, only those few ones usually get play. Yeah. You know, it's usually Akaris and Makari. And Cersei, and sometimes Thena. Yeah, yeah, it would be nice to go through like the other ones. So they they are using some of the other ones. Like I think one was his name Druig or Drug. I don't know how to pronounce his name. He has a decent he has a decent role so far in the four issues I've read. But all right, so that was Avengers two forty seven. In 2011, the irredeemable Shag and Aqua Rob Kelly teamed up to create the Fire and Water podcast. In 2016, they teamed up with Ryan Daly, the Franklins, and Siskoid to form the Fire and Water Podcast Network. A network built on teaming up needs a show about team ups. Marvel Team Up. Yes. The Brave and the Bold. You know it. Marvel Two in One. It's clobbering time. DC Comics presents... Of course. Supervillain team-up? Good idea. Youngblood X-Force? Mmm, technically. 
FW Team Up, coming this summer, only from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. And now up next, we have Avengers 252, where the cover asks us, who on earth is strong enough to smash Hercules? Hint, <laughs> there's two of them. <laughs> And this one is a slightly different creative team. We have Roger Stern still writing, but Bob Hall is doing the breakdowns. But thankfully, we still have Joe Sinnott doing the finishes. So, still looks good, because it's Joe Sinnott. Yeah. Avengers 252, Deciding Factor. Writer, Roger Stern. Breakdowns, Bob Hall. Finishes, Joe Sinnott. Colors, Christy Scheel. Letters, Jim Novak. Cover art by Bob Hall, Joe Sinnott, and Christy Scheel. Editor, Mark Rumwald with Howard Mackey. Cover dated February 1985. On sale date November 6th, 1984, with a cover price of 60 cents. You can find this reprinted in Die Reicher, number 15, a 1986 German reprint. Los Vengadores, number 54, a 1987 Spanish reprint. Strange, number 216, a 1987 French reprint. And Avengers Absolute Vision, volume 2, from 2014. After an anti-mutant group burns down the New Jersey home of the Vision and the Scarlet Witch, the android Avenger overcomes his indecision and prepares to implement his plan for world control. But first, he must lure his teammates away so they cannot interfere. He sends Captain Marvel to inspect Thanos' starship, abandoned beyond the orbit of Pluto, while the other Avengers are dispatched to join an army unit studying the technology of the Mad Titan's desert base. When a teleport device there causes the inhumanly strong Blood Brothers to materialize, Captain America, the Scarlet Witch, and Star Fox manage to keep them busy until they are dispatched by Hercules. Back at Avengers Mansion, meanwhile, former member Dane Whitman, aka the Black Knight, arrives unexpectedly and is taken captive by security devices to become the sole witness to the Vision's machinations. Another really good um, opening page with uh, Doc Samson punching the Hulk. Yeah, and they draw that nice... Since it probably wasn't, he probably was drawing the book at the time, maybe like Sal Buscema or something. They have that nice, like Sal Buscema f- look of the face when, like, when someone gets punched and the mouth's open, like the saliva's just between his teeth. Exactly. It looks like a Sal Buscema face there. So if, and I think he did some of those issues with. Of, I think so, if I'm right, he did some of the issues with the Hulk with you know when Doc Samson was in it fighting him. So if so, that's a pretty cool, nice little touch, I think. Yeah. But yeah, the Vision is trying to get Doc Samson to join the Avengers and maybe even lead a, mid, a Midwest team. Again, going in with the theme of the Vision, trying to expand his influence. This is why, while the, the, the West Coast team will st- obviously stick around, as everyone knows, this is why we have the West Coast Avengers. Because the Vision has been trying to expand his role and you know, be more in control. So if we have more Avengers teams all over the you know the country or in the world, and I'm the boss of the Avengers. Oh. So it's kind of similar to some of the motivations they're giving Tony, they give Tony Stark in the movies. Yeah, yeah. Like he wants to, you know, create a bigger sort of Avengers initiative. Exactly. He's trying to, you know, he's trying to do this not in a not even a Doctor Doom way where Doctor Doom thinks I am the best person to be in charge and you should all obey me, but just like I have the ability and the power to basically protect everyone. So what's the best way to protect everyone? 
well, make sure nothing bad happens by taking control of things. Because as we're going to see, especially in this issue, the vision's going to do a couple of weird things. <laughs> but as Doc Sampson's leaving, Quicksilver learns, I'm sorry, not Quicksilver, Star Fox Star learns Wolf. about anti mutant uh, bigotry. <laughs> I like his line here. I hoped you could said you could send some light on this insanity. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't get this. Like, what the hell is this crap? You're all humans. <laughs> Daily bugle. And I think this is one of the few times that that they actually bring that stuff into Avengers. Because oh. usually that kind of stuff kind of stays with the X books ninety five, you know, ninety percent of the time, especially back then. It's kind of yeah, it's kind of interesting that they like bring it up. I thought maybe it was related to like Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, but uh... oh, I guess it does relate a bit to what happens to the Scarlet Witch here in this issue. Oh yeah. Speaking of what she is having uh, tea or coffee or whatever with Captain America. Captain and this America is catching her. Yep. But this is the part I was talking about how like they're talking about how like the vision's acting kind of weird. So this has been going on for like the last several issues. The whole thing about the vision deciding, should I do this thing to basically take over everything? And what's going to happen when he tries to do it, since we're not going to be covering that issue specifically, is that if he does it right, he's basically going to be like Isaac from Titan, he's not going to have a body anymore. He's going to be just like a, you know, existing in the computers all over the world. Oh, so, so it's like, no, like in a non-corporeal form. Exactly. Which is why when he says goodbye to Wanda in a little bit, when he, you know, she says, you're acting like we're not going to see each other again because oh. he's thinking, well, if I go through with this, yes, I'll see you, but I'm not going to be, have a body anymore. So it's going to be something very similar to that. And that's also why he's talking to Cap here, asking him, if you knew you could save everyone, but it would be the cost of your life. I mean, yes, technically the Vision would still be alive, but he would not have the life anymore that he could have now. I mean, right now he could still quit the Avengers and go live with the Scarlet Witch somewhere. <laughs> Once he, if he does this, if, he's plan, if he goes through with his plan and it works, he can't ever again. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Sort of like a lot of philosophizing here. Yes. <laughs> this is a question that is Cap still like a comic book artist at this point? I'm not sure if he's a comp. He might be. I'm not and sure. I, I don't like, it's like an in joke. He was like a Marvel comic artist for like a brief period in like the 80s. Yeah. Or like Steve Rogers was. You know what? I need. I should have checked that before. Hold on. Let me see what issues were on the stand at this point. So two fifty two. Okay, so this is cover dated February of eighty five. I am using Mike's Amazing World. So we had Captain America three hundred two was out right now. I'm not sure. He might have been done being an artist by this point. And also, oh, X Men one ninety was out this month. So yeah, we were definitely, at least as far as that part goes, we were definitely well into the whole uh, government and people hate mutants. Yeah. Oh, okay. So actually this kind of ties into what happens next. Uh, they they uh, burn down the Scarlet Witch's house and uh, Vision's house. Yes. Yes. In, in New Jersey. 
which is where they, which is why, which, uh, which is why one division takes place in New Jersey, because that's where they lived. Oh, yeah. So I'm guessing this, though this must be after the Vision and Scarlet Witch miniseries, because I know that's when they had their house. Some of the neighbors, of course, are acting like jackasses. Yeah, which Cap calls them out on. Yeah, you gotta love you gotta love some of these some of these people. It's like, hey, look, I have no problem against them. I just don't want them here. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not subtle as to like what, like the metaphor here. Mm-hmm. And sadly, while it was meant to be more of one thing, probably at this point, there sadly there are several other things that it could be relating to now, and still work. Yeah, def- definitely, definitely. You know, the great way people I say, oh, I have no problem with them living somewhere and having a life, just nowhere near me. Yeah, and, and then Cap, Cap has a great response to that. Yeah. No, Cap, Cap is good with that. Yeah, and then the Vision has like a very ominous, uh, like, you know, my duty is clear. Well, it it kind of helps push him in that in his decision. What Cap says when he says the American dream has to be there for everyone, or it can never truly work for anyone. So this is kind of making the vision go. Well, this is my way of doing that now. You know, I can make it work for everyone by being in charge of everything. I can make sure it works for everyone. You know, unfortunately. It's not the attack that has the wrong, you know, that pushes vision towards this. It's the uh, Cap's response. You know, it has the wrong, you know, it has the, you know, the opposite effect on vision that he would have wanted if he knew what was going, if Cap knew what was going on. But so he calls the team to order and he says, hey, look, they found a, the army has found a base that used to be used by Thanos and they're deciding, hey, we could play with this stuff. And this is probably a bad idea. So I, I want you guys to go watch them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Basically, watch the kids as they kind of use the advanced technology and hope they don't kill themselves. <laughs> and this is that part I told you about at the end, that last pa- that last two panels of the page when he's telling them to go. Um, when yeah. When she's, you know, Scarlet Witch says, my, you think we weren't coming back? You know, says, One never knows, Wanda. And it's like, yeah, he's not so much worried about you not coming back. He's worried about what's going to happen, when, you know, where he's going to be when you come back. And then he sends Captain Marvel out to find Thanos' ship, which basically, while stuff does happen there, he basically intended that as to be just a way to get her out of the way. Because, I mean, the others, he sends them over the, you know, Midwest. Let's face it, they got to fly at the Quinjet. You know, even yeah. Star Fox can't fight, fly that fast. So it's going to take them a couple hours to get there and then a couple hours to get back. Captain Marvel could be back from the Midwest in, two, in a minute. Oh, yeah, certainly. But as we find out here... It's still, you know, even flying at light speed, it's still going to take her a few hours to get all the way out there because that they left his uh, Thanos' ship floating out by Pluto. It's going to take her a couple hours to get there and back, so he kind of gets rid of everybody. I, um, I remember the event described here as like that. I believe it was like the Avengers defeated him with the help of Warlock, and then that's what caused the ship to go out that far. Yeah, this was uh, the Marvel 201 Annual 2 and Avengers Annual 7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I told you about like the Warlock collection I, I got a while ago. Yes. Yep. Yeah, um, that was that, the death. Those two issues end that. Yeah, yep. Those were, that was the death at the time of Thanos and Warlock. 
And at this, as of this moment in 85, they're still dead. And just to plug, in case anyone has not heard it yet, go listen to episodes 117 and 118, where we covered those issues. And so, pretty epic issues, at least in my opinion. But yeah, he even gets Jarvis the day off to get rid of him. Like that Jarvis is wearing uh, shorts, like yeah, really short shorts. With the with the uh, the tube socks pulled all the way up to almost his knees, you gotta love it. And he still has a bow tie on. <laughs> Looks like he's gonna go like fishing or something. Exactly. I was gonna say golf, but he's not dressed gaudily enough for that. No, no, he's still wearing the coat. Yeah. And then we head on back mid into Arizona to the ba- Thanos' base which was the base that Thanos had back in his first appearance in Iron Man 55. And also where, as they sell here, Marvel Feature 12, where the Thing and Iron Man face the Blood Brothers. And as they're walking around, you see a couple of scientists like, hey, we almost got this working. And of course, Star, they have no idea what they're playing with. And Star Fox is like, I know what that is. Stop touching it. I was like, they're like, what do you mean stop touching this? We finally got some work. We're not going to stop. He's like, you're idiots. <laughs> And what do the idiots do? They teleport the blood. Bro- the, uh, they teleport in the Blood Brothers, who I checked have not been seen since Iron Man ninety one, when they were captured by him. They're captured by Iron Man and imprisoned, so they're released from prison just to fight the Avengers here, and do a pretty good job because they're pretty strong. Plus, besides being incredibly strong, they're also kind of vampires. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they, like, try to drain the energy at one point. Yeah. I like their designs, like, very, you know... Almost thing-like. Yeah, very thing-like. They're, like, half... It's like like the thing was merged with a a giant ape. Yeah, exactly. And real quick, by the way, we also drop back in Avengers Mansion real quick as Dane Whitman, a.k.a. the Black Knight, shows back up after a long time. And, of course, probably gets captured by the Manson security defenses. <laughs> yeah, this confused me. I didn't know who Dane Whitman was. Uh... Yes, that, that's the Black Knight. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is basically when he rejoins the team. And, by the way, speaking of the Eternals, from a few, when we talked about the last issue, he is in the movie. Oh. Uh, who, who's playing him? Uh... I don't remember his name. Hold on. I want to say Kit something. Kit Harrington? I think so. I think that's it. From Game of Thrones? I knew it was a guy from Game of Thrones, so yes. So I want to say yes, that's it. But hold on, we're we're double-checking. Yes, Kit Harrington. He's playing Dane Whitman. Oh. And that should be interesting, because if anyone's read the 90s Avengers... Him and Cersei definitely had a bond. So huh. I'm going to be looking to see if most if his, his interaction is going to be mostly with Cersei. Well, that's really interesting. Uh, so we get back to the battle. Yes, back to the fight. Wanda and uh, Cap are a bit overpowered by these guys because, I mean, these guys are pretty damn strong. Then, like, Hercules, like, shows up. <laughs> and him and Star Fox basically are able to take them out. But unfortunately, the problem was because the first thing they did when they teleported in was punch Hercules through a sheet, you know, big metal wall. And apparently it ripped his clothes enough that um, 
<laughs> well, they don't show it. Apparently, everything's showing. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to have some fun with this, depending on how you read Wanda's reaction, she might be fine with it. <laughs> He's like, uh, my apologies, Wanda. I did not mean to offend. Oh, that's all right, Hercules. <laughs> yeah, the, the final line is just... <laughs> Maybe I can help. <laughs> Cue the bad poor music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was intentional, but it's just... <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she gives him her... She gives him her cape to wear. So see, sometimes capes are good to have. Uh, Edna Mode was wrong. Yes. Not, I mean, maybe not always, but sometimes, you know what? A cape is useful. Yeah. And then uh, Cap chews out the generals for... Basically not paying, being a little too anxious to get their hands on this technology. Yeah. Like Cap says earlier when the general's like, you know, if we have this technology, we'll never have to worry about our defenses again. And I like Cap's response, like, yeah, I think they said the same thing when the crossbow was invented. <laughs> like, ooh, that was a nice one, Cap. I like that. And yeah, we end with Dane Whitman being in a tube with the, you know, like the ghostly form of the vision saying, I have to save humanity from itself. I also like uh, this. Um, want this final panel with the visions, uh, you know, his not, not like his whole face, but like like just like the outline of it. No, that's pre- that's a pretty cool look, and that whole panel is actually well well done anyway. Con- that's really well well constructed. I like that. And so so ends Avengers two fifty two. So we now find out what happened to the Bud Brothers, and they're not going to show up again for another like almost decade. <laughs> they are like Thanos's worst lackeys. No wonder he has to get the Black Order. These guys, like, he could not do it. He could not do anything successful if he had just had to rely on the brothers. These guys are <laughs> fools. Yeah. <laughs> like all these things, we're gonna have a bits and pieces kind of continuing on some of the remnants of the, you know, what happened with Thanos. But it's nice to see this stu- that stuff has not been completely forgotten. You know, they're yeah. still getting they're still getting story out of it. The brothers still around, and the fact is. There is some stuff that's going to happen later on with the uh, the ship. That's going to happen in other. We're going to talk about it in other episodes. Yeah, I, I really like these two issues. They're very, um, they're very, um, you know, focused. Like they have a lot of action to them. And they, no. you know, they manage to do very well balancing like story and characters, and and like, even even if you didn't know any of the other events, you can still follow them relatively well. Yeah, no, Roger Stern's run on the Avengers is pretty well lauded as one of the better ones. And, well, I have not read all of it. I've read a good chunk of it so far. And, yeah, it's really good. It holds up pretty well. Yeah. And I will, didn't even get more into, like, his, like, especially, like, the Avengers on Captain America, which was, like, his two sort of famous Marvel uh, works. Yeah, yeah, and it does his run does kind of culminate, more or less, I think he still is on for a little bit longer, but not much longer after that. It does culminate around the 270s with that big uh, Masters of Evil attack on the mansion. 
where basically they just take over the entire mansion. Uh, that, that sounds interesting. Oh, yeah. And it's not just like a small group. Like Zemo gets this like group of like 15 people for the Masters of Evil. He's like, oh, there's five or six Avengers. Great. Let's have more of them. Let's have more than them. You know, he brings in the, I mean, he brings a wrecking crew in as part of it. Oh, yeah, I, I love those guys. But it's like, it's like him and the absorbing man and Titana and the wrecking crew and a couple like moon, uh, not moon glow moonstone. And like several other people, like they are not messing around. So it's, it's a pretty good one. Oh, and real quick. I also want to mention in the letters column for two fifty two, there's letters for two forty seven. Oh really? Yeah, and it actually something that reminds me, reminded me because the first letter is saying, "Well, wait a minute." Back in Captain Marvel twenty nine, we learned that a you know mentor when he was still called Alars is the brother of Zeus, you know, not Zeus. So what's going on here? And they're basically saying, "Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's been reconned. Go, you should read those, you know, backups and what if." Which <laughs> is like probably like the best response. Yeah. We'll be back with Ren in a moment to close out the show, but first let's do our feedback, and this time we are talking about episode 158 with John Wilson, where we talked about the MCU announcements that came out of San Diego Comic-Con this year. And this episode got likes and shares on Facebook from Jesse Starcher, Joe Sedano, Married with Comics on the Rod Pod, Chris Armstrong, and Herman Lowe. On Twitter, we got likes and retweets from Aquimi, Calarilla, Feet Picks, Jason Snick Venable, Alan Sharp, Fact for Law, Viet Win, David Finn, Ghost Spider Groupies, Capes and Lunatics, Trapped in a World, JohnReadsComics.com, Cameron Sinclair, WWDWRPG Podcast, Olga, Project Tahiti, and Chris Lydon. Don't forget, if you want to hear more from me, you can find me pretty much every week on the L-E-G-I-O-N-P-O-D-Cast. On that show, we talk about the late 80s, early 90s DC comic sci-fi series, Legion. That is the one with the acronym and Lobo and Captain Comet, not Legion of Superheroes. And you can find that on the Legion of Substitute Podcasters feed. Links in the show notes. All right. So, this point, you want to say something about what you heard in this episode or previous episodes. I don't care. That's fine with me. Here's a way to contact us. Well, you can always like and share the posts on Facebook or make a comment on the Facebook post there. Just go to Facebook, type in Adam Warlock or Thanos in the search box. We'll pop up. Talk to us on Twitter at Adam Thanos Pod. You can send us an email, resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com, or go to our Tumblr page, resurrectionspodcast.tumblr.com. And one last thing for the feedback don't forget, this show is part of the collective. The collective was started by a few like minded podcasters who wanted to network in the most traditional sense. It has become a repository for ideas, crossovers, and potential guest appearances. And you can hear a promo for one of the collective shows right now. Hey there, everyone. I'd like to tell you about the YouTube channel I Am Your Target Demographic. If you're a fan of comics, we have plenty that you'll enjoy over there, including a series called Heroes Like Us that explores comic characters of all sorts of different identities. And we even have a series that defines words that are used in nerd culture that you may not know what they mean. So you can check us out by heading to YouTube and searching I Am Your Target Demographic or look up IAYTD on any social media outlet. So that was it. So obviously from what you're saying, it sounds like you like these issues, which is good. Yeah. I, I hate to have people read issues and they go, that sucked. Thanks a lot.
No, no, I, I really enjoyed enjoy these issues. It also reminded me a lot to finally like reread all like the or reread the original Eternals run and then do about two collection Thor and the Eternals and the Dreaming Celestial Saga. I have to read all that. Probably. Yeah. And I gotta... like the Peter Gillis series from the late 80s. I don't, I don't know if it's like either of those, but Yeah, I kinda wanna do a Returnals reread before especially before the movie comes out. Just to not that I think I need to do it for the movie, but I would like to be able to catch any of the little bits and pieces. You know, yeah, any little, so any of the little Easter eggs they throw in there, I'd like to be able to catch them. Also, I bought like Neil Gaiman's run a while ago, but I I never had the occasion to read it. So I remember liking that. That was good, but it's Neil Gaiman. I mean, he doesn't yeah, always, always do anything bad. Yeah, it's always good. <laughs> And they actually touch on some of that stuff from uh, that happens in that series in the current ser- in the current Eternal series too. They talk some of that's mentioned, which is nice because a lot of times when characters like you know like the Eternals where they don't they really haven't had a I mean they let's be honest until now they have not had an ongoing series since the Kirby series. Yeah, yeah, they they have, and it's been mostly the um, yeah minis and guest like appearances. Guess. Yeah, so a lot of times when that kind of happens, stuff gets forgotten or, or missed. So it's kind of nice when, like, you know, since they have a new series now, that they are kind of mentioning what happened that last series. It's like, yeah, it's still kind of, don't worry. You know, that still happened. Oh, yeah. All right, well, we're just about done with the episode. Would you like to tell people where they can find you in case they're interested in hearing more of your thoughts or opinions? All right. Um, so at the moment, my current uh, main uh, source of public uh, thoughts are on uh, Twitter. My Twitter handle is capital R Ren underscore capital C Chandler four. Mostly I, I do my thoughts on comics that I read or sometimes TV shows or movies. Like I'll uh, live tweet like a bad movie sometimes, or I'll like look, I'll try to like uh, ask questions or I'll, Get my thoughts. Um, I had a blog for a long time, but I'm thinking of discontinuing it and starting over on uh, another website, probably like WordPress or Medium. Um, but right now, you can find me on uh, Twitter, Twitter at Ren Capital R Capital C Ren underscore Chandler for. Um, yeah, so that's that's my Twitter site. All right, and. Links will be in the show notes, so don't worry if you missed how to spell it. All you have to do is scroll down and click. Well, that's going to be it for this episode. Ren will be back in a few issue in a few episodes as we're going to talk about Quasar, an issue of Quasar. I'm so excited! I, I really love that character, Quasar. Yeah, Quasar is a fun one. I like Quasar. Right. I like that series, so I'm looking forward to we get to that. So they will be back soon. Don't worry. Bye. Bye. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle.
Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peacelovproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page.